Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Monday, June the 21st, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Well, Welcome into another edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Uh, happy Father's Day a day late to all of uh, those in the audience. Coming to you on this Monday morning before the Mets take on the Atlanta Braves in a week of doubleheaders as the Mets have a doubleheader today. They have a doubleheader later this week and pretty much only one day off between now and the All-Star break as the Mets make this charge to the All-Star break trying to as we said last week, make the run, build on what they've been able to accomplish with some of the challenges with injuries and days off and whatnot. And this is probably a show that you may even call short uh, because a couple of reasons. First, trying to get guests on a holiday weekend, not always easy. And I think the turn of events, really the reason for the kind of show we're doing the turn of events last week with Jacob deGrom coming out of the game against the Cubs after three innings with another injury, his third injury, his fourth injury, whichever which way you want to talk about it, 
really set the tone for what I wanted to talk about today. And it's pretty crystal clear the way the Mets played and the challenges they have before them, subsequently right after, that DeGrom and the outing this afternoon. Now, I'm recording this and coming to you early Monday morning. So with the way things have been going with DeGrom, so much can happen. But I think it's critically important to see not only DeGrom go out there, but DeGrom to be healthy and be able to make consistently a start every fifth day. Now, I'm going to get to that because I think what we're going to see out of DeGrom, putting the historic season aside going forward, has a tremendous impact on this club, this club's chances, even if he's healthy, and what they're going to do at the deadline. Because as we've talked about, now is not only the time to make the run, but we're looking and seeing what this team needs to be competitive in a playoff situation and win a division, let's face it. Is this a playoff team? And can this? And we think it is as constituted, but I'm not so sure. And that's a whole other thing. Now, first things first. Replace the Mets. Really cool situation. I thought it built a lot of character. It showed that they could withstand Thunderbolts to a certain degree become immune to them. The replace the Mets, the makeshift Mets, that was not meant to be four to six weeks. And I think all year... The offense has not done its part. The offense has not been consistent, and you saw that again this weekend. The offense has not all been all that situational. So as we go past Father's Day, think about this. The Mets right now, and if you don't want to put the Billy McKinney's into that group or uh, you know Luis Guillerme, who's been hurt most of the year, and, and, and guys like that, the Mets, by and large... They're regulars. The guys that they were brought in. I'm going to take Jonathan VR out, who's had a pretty decent year. The only regular right now that's in the lineup that's above league average is Pete Alonso. And, you know, guys like James McCann and Francisco Lindor, uh, Dom Smith, below league average hitters. The Mets are a bad offensive team. How have they been able to overcome this? We've talked about it. The defense, maybe that's analytics and positioning and and some of those nuanced things that don't show up, the ground-level things that don't always show up in the, in the box score. A pretty good bullpen that I think is starting to get overused and starting to show somewhat of a tear and a soft underbelly. And some good starting pitching, specifically from the big three. We mentioned DeGrom, but Taiwan Walker, who had a start, which maybe it was the heat, maybe it was just one of those days that wasn't himself. Stroman has been really good, and Peterson's been wildly inconsistent and more inconsistent lately than consistent, but he's been giving you back into the rotation type of performance right now. And then you got Lucchese, who I don't know if this is one of those phantom injuries that, not to say he's not hurt, but because they needed to make some roster decisions, it was more convenient to let him sit out when he has a little tender elbow for 10 days and figure out what they're going to do with the roster. I personally think they want to make sure Conforto's healthy. They, you know, they they wound up putting Mason Williams through, you know, designating him yesterday and putting him through waivers for Eichoff. So who knows if he's going to be part of the team going forward? But anyway, the Mets offense hasn't done its part. The pitching's done its part. The defense surprisingly has done its part. The Mets offense hasn't done its part. The bullpen's done its part, and it's time they do. And they're going to need to. Because now the health is starting to come around. 
McNeil should be back today, whether it be the first game or the second game. All things considered, you should see Conforto back shortly thereafter over the next week. Brandon Nimmo starting a rehab assignment. He got a hit yesterday. I would think he's probably, within the next two weeks, going to be back. A little bit concerned about him because of the whole nerve, in, you know, not nerve injury, the ligament injury in his hand. And then we got J.D. Davis, which we're not exactly sure what his time frame is. But I would think J.D. Davis, even though he's longer out, he might be the guy that we can see sometime before the All-Star break. You're going to have a fully, or for the most part, fully healthy lineup very soon by the end of this homestand. And although that lineup only scored about three runs a game back in April, you and I know that this was penciled in for a five-run-per-game type of situation. And right now, based on what we see from this team, that's plenty because they're not doing that consistently. They can't win 2-1 games every day. They can't win one nothing games. They can't win 3-2 games every day. You need a bit of a laugher once in a while. You do because you're going to burn out that bullpen. And this goes exactly into what my whole point is and what really the whole point of this show has been since the third inning when DeGrom came out of that ball game on, uh, what was it, Thursday, at, or well, Wednesday, I'm sorry, and really s- turned everything around and, and had a 24 to 48 hour period where collectively the whole fan base, the organization was holding its breath because that's a thunderbolt that this team can't overcome. You know, they could play through it. They could try to take the findings and the learnings that they've, you know, put together to kind of push forward. But they are not built to lose their race. Most teams are not built to lose their race. The DeGrom problem is this. He's having an historic season. I I will say this again. I've said it probably half a dozen times. I just can't see how he continues to pitch to a 0.5 ERA, which concerns me because that means there's a stinker coming up, and they can't really afford, with the way that the depth of the pitching is, to, to lose a DeGrom start. They need to win these starts. And maybe he's due because he's been so unlucky over the last three years. I think, here's what I think is wrong with DeGrom, and I'm not going to play Twitter doctor. I'm not going to play Dr. Google. I'm not going to do any of that stuff that you see on social media. He's 33 years old. He just turned 33. I think he's a guy that's really in tune with his body and his routine and his process. And I think he's very intuitive. I think he knows, and you've heard him as he spoke in the post game. He knows when he's hurt. He's had injuries before. I think as you turn 33, little aches and pains begin to crop up, which if you want to say they're warning signs to a bigger thing, to an elbow injury, to an uh, uh, any kind of injury, I understand that. But if you believe a ball player, especially an elite pitcher, with the kind of stress they put on their body, is not pitching through something, whether they're 22 years old, 32, 33, 40, I'll introduce you to a couple of guys I've talked to. They got injuries. It's your pain tolerance. It's what is a bad injury or something that is means to ground you. Really, sometimes I like to compare pitchers to cars. You know when your car has a problem that needs to be serviced, and you know sometimes, eh, don't listen to that. That's, you know, it'll work itself out. Maybe I'm being a little bit goofy here on that, but I really believe that. I think the problem here is because we really don't know what's wrong with the Grom, and because some of these things, you know, shoulder soreness, uh, 
you know, the nerve situation. I mean, even the sigh with the lat. These are things that if they compromise mechanics, they're going to lead to a much bigger problem. If you have a shoulder injury, any injury at age 33 with a pitcher, Tommy John, is bad. Puts you at a you know late prime. I don't care what aging process DeGrom has. He's in his late prime. Crazy because it seems like he came up yesterday. It seems like the 2015 World Series was yesterday. Any of those things are going to, you know, be career-ending. Shoulder, career-ending for anybody. So you want to be careful with him. So now I have to change my position because just a couple of weeks ago I was angry because here they are in Arizona, 3 nothing game or whatever it was, 4 nothing game, I can't remember, 5 nothing, whatever it was. And they take him out and the bullpen comes in and if not for a Mason William catch, that game could have got a lot more dicey than it did. And, and you don't want to lose games when, you're, when your starter's dominating because you're bringing in, I don't care how good the bullpen is, bullpen guys are in the bullpen for a reason. They're not the ground. So I have to change my position because I think the Grom is now going to have to be about an 80-pitch, 85-pitch pitcher, at least in the short term. I do not see any scenario between now and maybe even the postseason or maybe even late this season if they have a big game where they are going to push him to go that extra three outs. It's very possible that he's a five-inning pitcher. Now, DeGrom is so efficient, even with the crazy amount of strikeouts, that 80 pitches might get him into the seventh. Maybe he adjusts his style because he's smart enough and says, you know what, striking out 14 or 15 per nine innings, as sexy as that is, I need to be more efficient and get more ground balls, get more contact. Of course, the the, you know, the fans will get crazy because they'll, they'll see that as a sign that he's hurt. And he's so good this year that I think even if he tried to make people make contact, I don't think they can. Um, so his games are going to become bullpen games, as are most of the other. Actually, the one guy that goes deeper than anybody that I'm confident could go into maybe the eighth inning, maybe, because he almost did it earlier in the year, is Taiwan Walker. That's the funny part. The guy with the biggest injury history out of all of them, the guy that was on the scrap heap until, you know, after Valentine's Day or around Valentine's Day that nobody wanted, he might be the most likely guy to go deep into games because Stroman seems to kind of turn into a pumpkin after 90 pitches. Forget about Peterson. Lucchese, they haven't even seen him go much past the fifth, and I don't know if he can with his repertoire. And now the situation with DeGrom. So you really only got one guy, and that's a problem. And why is that a problem? Mets, Mike, Mets have a good bullpen. Well, they do. But it's becoming tiered right now. You have the Diaz, Loop, Lugo crowd, which I am highly confident can navigate any kind of tough situation, one-run ball game. Then you have the Castro, Familia, Drew Smith, and now you got like Sean Reed Foley, Yancey Diaz. Take your pick of the up-down guy that we're still trying to figure out. That's the group I'm less confident of. Yes, I'm not. Con- I, I've been I've been pretty consistent with Castro. I started to say, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's figured something out. Guy walks too many guys. Guy is a good pitcher. I think he's a streaky pitcher. Maybe he's made improvements under Hefner. The bottom line is, when you walk as many guys and you lose your command and control as Castro does, doesn't take a lot of contact to undo you. It takes one big hit. Now there's the tweener and the guy that was brought in with the big money that kind of has fallen into 
this legacy, and you want to say it's you know not Alderson because he's really much bigger than the GM, but it seems whether it's John Roush or Frank Francisco, Tyler Clippard, I'll go on and on, Antonio Bastardo. You know, I mean, the, the Mets almost need the one guy that worked out and was really on the scrap heap coming through waivers was Addison Reed. That was one of the best bullpens the Mets have had. This bullpen at times has reminded me of that bullpen because they're they're pretty consistent over those final six to eight outs. They just don't have the starters going the length that the 2016 team had before the injuries. Those starters could go seven innings. May is the tweener where if May could be who you signed him to be, now you have yourself your four guys and you can rotate a little bit. Because even though Lugo's been talking about how he feels better post-surgery and it's not as hard for him to go consecutive days, you saw he couldn't go more than a batter on Friday. And I'm not sure on Saturday in the doubleheader he could go more than a batter. Now, those were big outs, but I'm not, you know, even Diaz to this point has, uh, they've been hesitant to go four and five days. And if you're going to play tight to the vest games, if this offense is not going to get going, you're going to have a lot of situations where that group that I just talked about is going to be needed four out of five days, but it's not going to be available at four out of five days. And if you push them, even in the best case scenario, to four out of five days, they're going to start to tire, potentially become less effective. So now you're saying, well, are you that concerned about the Castro, Familia, Drew Smith, Diaz? Well, yeah, because the other day Drew Smith came into a game in the ninth inning with a five-run lead and couldn't get three outs. See, that ninth inning reminded me a lot of 2019 against the Cubs on Wednesday. That's the DeGrom game, right? Castro comes in, doubleheader, had to be bailed out. Couldn't get through the inning. Now, maybe, you know, a little unlucky there with the ball to VR, the double play that probably should have been. Sometimes as good as VR has been at third, sometimes the mind and the body and the the, the need for flair kind of all gets in the way. I, I, Familia's been better, and he might have got one of the bigger routes of the year when he struck out Bryce Harper. It would have been an awful early season loss in Philadelphia. But a, the command, again, similar to Castro. These are guys, Familia and Castro, that you do not know what you're going to get in terms of uh, command and control when they come in. You don't. And I have less confidence in a tight game. I mean, there was a four-run game there on Saturday afternoon, game one, and you're kind of holding your, your, your breath with Castro. It shouldn't be the case. And now you're going to need guys when the Grom pitches, and these are the guys you're going to have to go to. Guy, the the second-tier guys are going to be called on more than you need. And you're going to be calling on out bullpens to get maybe 12 to 13 outs. And consistently, the Lucchese starts. You know, Peterson again. You know, everybody was saying, oh, Peterson only gave one run. Peterson pitched okay on Saturday. He walked too many guys. He danced around trouble. Um, the Nats are maybe, not maybe, they are. They're a top-heavy lineup. I mean, Schwaber basically stole the show for the last couple of days. It was Schwaber versus the Mets. I mean, Schwaber's the kind of guy who just goes on a run, and you're in the middle of that. He's on a home run binge. So how do you solve all this? Well, you could go out and get arms, and we talked about this, about getting arms. The Mets are, it's not going to be easy to get pitching because I think the guy that you could get, if you want to take, and you heard Steve Cohen, Steve Cohen will take money on. 
but he's going to take money on to go above the luxury tax for a significant upgrade. And that's where this analytics department and that's where this front office is going to be challenged because part of that decision, a large part of that decision is going to be the value they associate with the players. But some of that has to be gut and feel. Is a guy who could provide innings that has been in the league a while, that may be at you know pretty much league average, like a Kyle Gibson, if you could get him cheap without much prospect capital, is that the kind of starter that's worth if you have to? And I, you know, I haven't figured out the numbers. You, you know, and you're taking on money because he's got some uh, contract left. Is that the kind of starter that makes him want to go above the threshold? He's probably going to allow them to do it if they say that it is. They're going to have to prove it to him, and he's going to need to see it. And there's some of that anecdotal where, you know, is this team at that point, as you see them over the next couple of weeks, has the offense come together with health and with everything where, hey, look, all I need now is starters to get me six innings, three runs. Look, if the offense starts scoring runs and you got games where they can put up a six or seven spot and you could survive like you did to a large degree on uh, the doubleheader and the game against the Cubs when the Grom came out, where there's a, a margin of error, then yeah, you could survive a Drew Smith and Familia and Castro having, you know, maybe I'll give a run here, run there, maybe hold your breath for one inning because there's a couple runners on with two outs and one swing of the bat puts him back in. I mean, you could survive that. You can. But then the offense needs to get going, and that's the part we haven't seen all year. We have not seen a huge offensive run at all, which makes you say, you know, from the law of averages, unless these guys are done or hurt, which they want, we definitely know they've been hurt. We can't say they're done. Uh, sticky stuff going away, maybe that helps. We have to see that, and we haven't, and you have to think it's coming. You have to, because how can they go from one extreme to the other? You know, very rarely does a team offensively all have a bad year, all at once, and it can't just be Pete Alonso. It can't. I mean, Pete's not that. Pete's the kind of hitter that could get on a streak. But he's not, I don't think he's a guy that by himself could carry an offense. You saw yesterday, maybe if there's a couple runners on base, he hits a a three-run homer instead of a solo shot. So, so much is going into right now the Grom health because even though the news was good and we're going to hope that nothing happens today where he says, I'm just not comfortable, I'm coming out. I mean, unless they're lying, the doctors are basically telling him, Jake, There's nothing wrong with you. These are aging pains. Um, He's going to have to pitch through it. And he's going to have to figure out how to listen to his body. Unless his body's sounding something that is much larger and it's about to break. And if that's the case. And I don't want to hear about, well, he's throwing too hard. and, And maybe I can understand the slider argument, throwing too many sliders. The guy knows what he's doing. I, I, I don't. You don't. The guy knows what he's doing. The only thing that I think could be it's certainly frustrating, and the Players Association has nobody to blame but themselves, and I understand why they did it. They wanted to have a bargaining chip, and they were pissed off at the owners, and they have every right with the way they get treated sometimes. But I'll tell you what, um, the, 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 the hitting situation with no DH, that's on them. That's on them. I've never been a proponent of the pitcher hitting. I'm less of a proponent now. You know, the last thing you want to do is a guy get hurt running the bases. I know everybody loves seeing this historic Jake hitting 450, driving in more runs than giving up. Everybody likes the Bartolo Colon home run. We've talked about it. 
but if it's going to compromise and hurt the, the the main skill that they're there for, then it's just a detriment. And it's a detriment this year. I'm sorry. The pitchers needed to focus on getting back to normal, and they need to focus on pitching, and they can't because they got to hit it. And and you talk about game pace and quality. Now you've got a pitcher. For a while there, Taiwan Walker couldn't swing the bat, so you have them standing up there. Stroman can't hit. Lucchese can't hit. I know Peterson got his first hit, and I know he you know he mentioned he felt like a big leaguer. You know, Tommy Hunter, that was a pretty cool moment. I mean, there's cool moments coming from the pitcher hitting, but if you're going to have a guy now just standing up there not swinging a bat, automatic out, it, it, does, it, it, it flows an inning. It kills an inning. Especially if he goes a couple times through the order, depending on how deep he goes in the game. Sure, he'll come up with the bases loaded in two outs. Or worse yet, you're like, hey, now I got to pinch hit, and I'm going to take my great starter out, put in the bullpen, and get more bad baseball. Because, you know, these bullpens are shaky for everybody. So that's where this is all at, guys. We know what the Mets need. The Mets need pitching. They're going to need more bullpen, I believe. And they're going to need a starter. Because I don't know when Carrasco's coming back. Forget about Syndergaard. Uh, now Lucchese, I mean, if Lucchese has any extended absence outside of the week, I, I got to tell you, I mean, is Eikhoff, uh, you're really starting to get into the, the depths here. You got Eikhoff, a 4A guy. You've got bullpen games, which are very tough to navigate consistently. You start to see the soft underbelly of those with what happened in game two against Leicester. You're relying then heavily on the big three starters to win all their starts. And you could do this for a while, and they have a little bit of a cushion. But the shame of it all is with how mediocre the division has been and the injuries to the Nats with their big pitchers and the Braves not fight, figuring out their way. You, you know, you could pretty much put this division away by the All-Star break and then get ready for the playoffs. I don't see that happening. This will be an interesting week. They could put Look, if they could have a big doubleheader, they could have a big series against Atlanta, big series against Philadelphia at home, a place where they seem to really enjoy playing. Finally, after all these years, City Field is somewhat of a home field advantage. Then maybe you're talking. I wouldn't discount the Nats. Everybody says, oh, the Nats stink. You know, the Nats aren't great offensively, but they're very similar to the Mets on defense. They seem to have uh, good gloves out there. Uh, their bullpen's not bad. They got a good closer. And if those two big guys come back in Scherzer and Strasburg, their pitching seems to be fine to me. You slot Lester and Corbin more into the mid, middle to back end of the rotation where they belong. You know, those are gonna. there's a lot of division games that aren't going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. They started to play good teams, but their record against good teams still isn't great. I mean, the Nats are an under 500 team, so they won't count against that, but it's not great. We know that they've just started playing well against good teams. So that's where you're at. So really, whether you listen to this this morning, listen to this during the game tonight, after the games tonight, when DeGrom, which maybe there'll be news, maybe you'll see me sooner than you think, I hope not. It's all about DeGrom. And now that DeGrom starts as much of an event as they are, and Darling and Hernandez had talked about that against the Cubs the other day, how they're starting to feel like Doc Gooden-type starts. They're not going to be the event that we thought they were. They're not going to be this seven or eight inning dominance like you saw against the Nats a couple of months ago, early this year, April. Not going to be like that. They're going to be five to six innings. They're going to be cautiously approaching him. 
and you may start to see games where the other team, and think about it psychologically, and I'll leave you with this point, psychologically. They, um, the other team starts to get lifted where it's almost like the the guy that you can't hit is out. All right, good. Even though the next guy coming in may not be bad, like a Lugo, it's almost like your confidence goes up. And I'm not even going to get into, well, can they go out and get another big starter like Scherzer? You know, can they get uh, a Herman Marquez, you know, a, a top-of-the-line pitcher? Because I, I, it's just too soon to see what the market is on these pitchers. Teams are still in it. And I'm not sure what the Mets are willing to part with prospect capital. And that's a much larger conversation. Right now, the best you can do is get another bullpen arm, get a, a, a guy, a six-innings, three-run guy. I'm, I'm convinced that's what you could get on the market. And what do you do other than that? Pray for health. And figure it out with the depth you got. Unless you want to go back out and there's guys like Rick Porcello. I know you guys are all cringing that want to still pitch and come midseason kind of like a Keuchel did a couple of years back with the uh, the Braves. Go out and look for those guys. Cole Hamels. I don't even know if those guys are healthy enough to pitch. You can go that route too and see what's going on. But I think this week will be a very interesting week between the doubleheaders, the depth. Can an Eichhoff give you what you want? And most importantly, can we get through a DeGrom start without him being pulled and us holding our breaths for 24 to 48 hours? Anyway, I want to thank everybody for joining me here on this Father's Day edition. I know it's after Father's Day, but Father's Day edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. Buckle up. A lot of baseball this week. Big games this week. Until next time, be well, everybody.
on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.